You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, we're going to have a little bit of fun to start off this show. Um, You may or may not have seen the tweet that I put out last night. Just for fun. I've been poking around. I like to play with stats and whatnot. Um, And... You know, as I've said before, an an imperfect statistic, but one of the better ones, at least in terms of if you're trying to get overall value of a player, you got PFF grade, you've got, um, you know, the the folks over at Football Outsiders with their DVOA, DYAR, you've got things like WAR, and then there's EPA. And of course, I prefer EPA per play because cumulative statistics are not as interesting to me when you're trying to find out not necessarily the value a player brought to the team, but the value of the player on a, you know, per snap base, how good somebody is. So I was playing around with that a little bit. And, um, of course, I already know that Jordan Love had a really good year last year. And I, of course, already know that Justin Fields is complete trash in every single possible metric that is available. And so I thought I'd put together a little little chart. little handmade, except not with my hand, made graph, chart, plot, whatever you want to call it. And it just shows average EPA per pass attempt in 2022. Number one is Patrick Mahomes, followed by Tua, then Jimmy Garoppolo, and then Jordan Love. And just to spice it up a little bit, I color-coded the NFC North in order. Jordan Love, then immediately after that is Jared Goff, and then quite a ways down is Kirk Cousins, and dead last by a million miles is Justin Fields. I know podcasts aren't visual, so let me try to build a visual for you. The second lowest negative EPA per play is Baker Mayfield, who is at negative right at about 0.15. All right, so it's a pretty slow, gradual, that you know, roughly half the league, slightly less than half the league is, is negative. Aaron Rodgers, by the way, is one of them who is negative. But if you can imagine, you've got, let's say, the, the, you've got negative 0.1, negative 0.12, negative 0.145, negative 0.51, right? So they're all, like, lumped together. Then you have Justin Fields, who is all the way at lower than negative 0.2. He's at actually about negative 0.25. He is significantly worse than even the second worst player. Horrible. 
And, and I love to do things like this and hammer the point because I, I genuinely don't think people understand why I hammer this point so much. Justin Fields, and, I, and, this, and this is the uh, case I'll be making for you today, Your Honor, is it, wasn't just a little rough. It's not like Justin Fields was like, yeah, he's not great, but he wasn't that bad. You're just a biased Packer fan. I'm literally talking about one of the worst quarterbacks kind of ever. Um, and so, whereas my confidence level is always relatively low in terms of things staying this way, right? I've told you before, I was always nervous about Trubisky. And this is the other thing. Most people think Justin Fields, at least he's better than Trubisky. No, he is not. He is nowhere near as good as Trubisky in a throwing sense. It's not even close. Trubisky was a much better passer and is, to this day, a backup quarterback who is a much better passer than Justin Fields is. It's, it's again, not even close. And so what I decided to do, because this was so unbelievably bad, I wanted to know how bad this was and how bad it, it, it compared to some of the worst seasons. So I was like, why don't I go back 10 years? And I thought, no, screw that. Let's go back 20 years. I want to go back 20 years and take a look at every single quarterback, minimum 300 passes, every single quarterback over the last 20 years. And, and, and the fun thing is when you do that, you really get a, um, a pretty cool look at some stuff. So, for example, let's start with some of the positives. I found this pretty interesting. Um, first of all, Peyton Manning. Obviously, we, if we list the last, uh, the best quarterbacks over the last uh, 20 years, Peyton Manning would certainly be a part of that. But check this out. Of the top five seasons for average EPA per pass, Peyton Manning owns three of them, including number one. 2004, Peyton Manning had a .3924212 EPA per pass, which is essentially just value-added every single time you threw a ball. The other two in the top five, number two was Tom Brady in 2007, number three was Aaron Rodgers in 2011. In the top ten, you have uh, three Peyton Mannings, two Aaron Rodgers, one Tom Brady, one Matt Ryan, one Drew Brees, only one Pat Mahomes, which is worth noting, and that was 2018, and one... Philip Rivers. I haven't said this in a while, but back in the day, I was constantly telling people, this dude's underrated. Just kind of gets stuck with a crappy team, but he's pretty good. And that's when he went to the Colts, and I was like, I don't know, this might be pretty good. And, and he was just at the end of his rope. He had nothing left, and he sucked, and I looked like an idiot. But point is, the guy was better than he got credit for. And by the way, just, just for reference, because you look at it, oh, it's not that big of a deal. We're talking about 587 quarterback performances. 587. It is a massive number. So for Rodgers to have two of the top 10, I mean, that's that's some pretty exclusive um, company. A couple other notes as we look at the Green Bay Packers. Not super surprisingly, um, Aaron Rod the, so the second Aaron Rodgers performance, which was the next highest, it was also the only, there were only, I think, roughly 10, I could go back and look, but I don't want to, roughly 10 that had a .3 or higher. Aaron Rodgers in 2020 was his second highest. There were only four seasons out of 20 for the Green Bay Packers, or I should say four quarterbacks, um, which I guess 20 makes sense because there's only going to be one per year over 20 years, but only four out of 20 that were negative. 2005, Brett Favre ranked 17th. Uh, 2006, Brett Favre ranked 18th. 2022, Aaron Rodgers ranked 19th, significantly worse than the 2005 and 2006 seasons. So for reference, um, the 20 or the 18th 2006 Brett Favre 
0.015. Negative 0.015. Rogers, negative 0.03. So I guess you could say it's twice as bad. And then finally, Brett Hundley in 2017. There's going to be a really, really, really interesting note about Brett Hundley, which was the absolute worst quarterback performance, at least as far as quarterbacks that took 300 snaps, because obviously Kaiser was a pretty big disaster. But Brett Hundley in 2017 was our absolute worst quarterback performance. Just go ahead and stick that in the back of your brain. Uh, Real quick, just for fun, we'll go through some of the other NFC North um, opponents. 2022 Kirk Cousins. I'm actually surprised it wasn't much higher because I thought he had a pretty good year. Not terrible, but out of 19 seasons, Kirk Cousins in 2022 ranked ninth. Um, Cousins actually had one, two, three higher. Second best season for any Minnesota Viking, Brett Favre, not surprisingly, in 2009. Also very frustrating because he obviously had his worst career years here. In it, it Again, the, the parallels with him and Rodgers are unbelievable. It's not that he didn't have anything left in the tank. He didn't have anything left in the tank for us. Dude didn't want to play for us anymore, but then he got all full of piss and vinegar playing for the Minnesota Vikings just because it pissed us off, and what do you know, had one of the best seasons of his career anyways. Number one, though, 2004 Dante Culpepper. The worst seasons, um, actually the third worst was the very next year, Brett Favre. So they actually had, out of 19, um, nine negative seasons, so about 50-50. Third worst was Brett Favre in 2010, then uh, something Johnson, I don't know, B. Johnson, I don't even remember these guys, and then, not super surprisingly, Christian Ponder in 2011. Roughly about as bad, not quite as bad, but almost as bad as, as Hundley was for us. Detroit Lions, Jared Goff in 2022 is actually the second best Lions performance in the last 20 years. Matt Stafford in 2019 was the only one that was better, which is crazy to me. That in the last four years, we've seen some of the best um, quarterback play. In fact, the fourth best was in 2020. So, <laughs> freaking remarkable. Um, because of Matt Stafford, they also, uh, well, they've only got 19 as well. 19 seasons, and uh, 12 of them were positive. So, not as good as the Packers record, but again, Matt Stafford positive almost every single year his only negative year which interestingly enough was actually their worst quarterback performance was 2009 matt stafford um again rated about negative 0.2 their worst quarterback clearly was harrington that was their second third and fourth worst quarterback performance their best being stafford although jared goff uh, making a pretty strong push the the only thing keeping him out of that is his other performance in 2021 was one of the negative ones so We'll see how the tiebreaker goes this year. Also, going back to um, Minnesota real quick. So Culpepper, I think, was their best quarterback with uh, Favre and Cousins actually kind of in a decent competition. In fact, Favre probably isn't on their list when you factor in that it was their second best but also the third worst. It would actually probably be Culpepper and then Cousins and then Favre, maybe. As far as the worst, I mean, I guess you would say Ponder because it was one year and it was the worst in 20 years. But they just had a pile of guys that were just terrible. Oh, wait, no, there was Ponder here, too. 2012, also trash. But anyways, before we get to Chicago, because that's the most fun part of all this, why don't we just look at some of the worst quarterback performances here? Actually, eh, yeah, let's do the... Good uh, look at the bottom five. The worst quarterback performance via EPA per pass, right? It's not the be-all, end-all, but it's a stat, and it's relevant, very relevant. Probably not super surprisingly... Josh Rosen in 2018 for the Arizona Cardinals. And I, I still remember thinking, man, I can't believe they're giving up on him already. 
I understand that this new guy, they're really excited about him, but man, I, I don't know. Josh Rosen, what if he ends up being kind of good? It might be worst quarterback performance <laughs> in NFL freaking history, or at least the last 20 years. Then you've got, um, who the heck is this? Austin Walter for the Raiders? I don't even remember him. Second worst quarterback performance. After that, you have Nick Foles playing for L.A. I don't know if that's when they were the Rams, possibly. I remember there was a whole big Nick Foles. Nick Foles has been all over the place, but I remember there was a time when, and I don't remember where he went from where to where, but it was like he was a big shot, and then there was like a big trade, and then he was just like really, really bad, and then I think he went somewhere else and he was good, and he just had a weird career. Then the fourth worst performance, Jimmy Clausen for Carolina in 2010, and then the fifth worst is our buddy Deshaun Kaiser, 2017 Cleveland Browns. All right, let's talk Chicago. All that other stuff was just, well... It's an inappropriate phrase, but it was. we're just having fun before we get into the main part, if you know what I'm saying. It was the, the amuse-bouche. Let's have a quick conversation about the Chicago Bears, and in particular, Justin Fields. So I, I showed you the top, or the bottom five performances. Um, if you look at, there's a couple things here. Justin Fields is in the bottom ten as far as performances. Here's something I want to point out, though, before I reveal which Justin Fields. If you listen to, it was somebody I just listened to today, I might, I, I may have even played him. I don't think I played it on the podcast, but if you listen to a lot of people, really wish I could remember who was saying that today, and not just Bears fans, although all Bears fans will say it as well, they will tell you Justin Fields actually did make significant strides as a passer. Guess which Justin Fields was in the bottom 10 of quarterback performances in the last 20 years, we're talking out of 587. It's not 2021. It was 2022 Justin Fields. This past year of Justin Fields, the thing that has Bears fans excited that they actually believe they have their guy, the thing that has the national media thinking, guaranteed this guy's going to take a leap, that has at least one person saying, I think he's going to win MVP. That version of Justin Fields ranked 579th out of 587 quarterback performances. We witnessed one of the worst quarterback performances of the last 20 years. Do you know what two people he sandwiched in between? 2014 Blake Bortles and 2021 Zach Wilson, who is one spot ahead of him as a passer. Ahead. There is no Zach Wilson performance that is lower. Well, 2022 might have been, maybe it was less than the required passes. It doesn't matter. One spot ahead of Justin Fields this past year. Do you know where his best performance ranked? The 2021 version of Justin Fields? 572. 15th worst performance. His best performance in the NFL was the 15th worst out of 587 quarterback performances in the last 20 years. The 15th worst, and that was his best performance. It was one spot ahead of, guess who? 2017, Brett Hundley. If Justin Fields was a Green Bay Packers quarterback in the last 20 years, with some of the terrible quarterback play we've seen, last year's Rodgers, the two final years, I think-ish, of Brett Favre, and of course Brett Hundley, Fields basically tied the worst performance with Brett Hundley, and then this 2022 season was way worse. We're watching a worse version of Brett Hundley, and we're sitting here asking if this guy's going to take a step to become an MVP. Brett Hundley's not even a... He's barely a backup. 
Is he even in the NFL anymore? I know he's been floating around as a backup for a long time. I mean, we, we watched this, did we not? We watched them try to throw the ball and then take the ball away from Justin Fields and turn their offense into a 1940s-style rushing offense and then starting to find some success that way. Not actual winning, but, you know, moving the ball and whatnot. It was only after they took the ball away, though. But let us continue. Let's look at the Chicago Bears for a minute. First of all, first of all, hilariously, so the worst that we saw in the NFC North in terms of negative quarterback performances compared to positive. And we're only talking about 16 quarterbacks, hilariously, because the freaking Chicago Bears rarely even have quarterbacks that throw 300 passes in a season because they're rotating midseason so much. Because that's just how garbage their quarterbacks are. Out of 16 performances, how many do you think were positive? Four. And that includes a lot of Jay Cutler. Only four had a positive average EPA per pass. The Packers had only four negative seasons. The Bears have had four positive seasons. And whereas the Packers had two seasons in which the EPA per pass was over 0.3, the Bears have one that was over a 0.1. Do you know who that was? It wasn't Jay Cutler. It obviously was not Justin Fields. It wasn't Nick Foles or Kyle Orton or Rex Grossman. It was Mitch Trubisky in 2018. The year that the Bears were the closest to winning the Super Bowl and only lost because of their quarterback, according to EPA per pass, had the best quarterback of the last 20 years. And it, it kind of makes sense. I mean, you look at some of the, the, the guys that they had going and everything. I mean, that, that offense was a little bit humming, at least. But let me just read this in order because it's funny to me. The top two performances, 2018 Mitch Trubisky, 2020 Mitch Trubisky followed by 2015 Jay Cutler and 2013 Jay Cutler. Those are the only positive performances. Then the next three negatives, 2011 Cutler, 2012 Cutler, 2010 Cutler. That's followed by 2019 Mitch Trubisky, then 2014 Jay Cutler, then uh, 2008 Kyle Orton, and 2009 Jay Cutler. Now we're getting into the negative point ones. 2006 Rex Grossman, 2020 Nick Foles, negative 0.137, then 2017 Mitch Trubisky at 0.14, negative, and then it jumps from negative 0.14 to negative 0.21 Justin Fields in 2021 and negative 0.22 2022 Justin Fields. And I know what some of you are thinking. Well, that's not on him. That's on his offensive line and his wide receivers. Okay. Well, there's a, there's a way to check that, at least to, to kind of take a look at the validity of it, to attempt to take a look at it. I mean, there's plenty of variables out there, but it's real simple. Why don't we bump the, the um, minimum of 300 passing attempts down to 100 so that we can get a look at some of the other quarterbacks that played the same year that Justin Fields played, most notably Andy Dalton in 2021. Because if the idea is that Justin Fields is a good quarterback with a bad supporting cast, then any quarterback that you put in there is going to look quite bad. In fact, they should look worse than Justin Fields because, I mean, why would Justin Fields perform worse than a guy like Andy Dalton, who's a backup? Let's take a look at it. Now we're looking at 32 different quarterback performances. 2021 Justin Fields ranks 23rd out of 32. He had, again, as I said, a negative .212. Andy Dalton ranked 17th, 
smack dab average performance for a Chicago Bears quarterback at negative 0.12. So why is it Dalton had more success with the exact same offense? It's not a good performance, but it was literally an average performance for any Chicago Bears quarterback. That doesn't make sense that a quarterback, a backup quarterback, can put up an average performance with the worst offensive line in human history and terrible weapons, and this future Hall of Famer puts up one of the bottom quarterback performances on a team that has some of the worst quarterback performances in the NFL over the last 20 years. By the way, that exact same thing holds up with sack rate. You want to know how I know that Justin Fields is a big part of the reason for all the sacks, and it's not the offensive line, at least not entirely? Exact same reason. Look at how many times Justin Fields was sacked. It was a ton. 14.6% of his dropbacks, he was sacked 55 times on 377 dropbacks. Now, there weren't a lot of other guys that played in 2022, but there were a few. Nathan Peterman had 25 dropbacks. Now, just to be clear... If that were to hold up, if that rate of 14.588888, whatever, if that held up for Peterman, you would expect him to have been sacked on those 25 dropbacks 3.6% of the time. So probably four times, potentially three times. You know how many times he was sacked? Once. It was a sack rate of 4%. Tim Boyle took nine snaps. Might have been Neil Downs, I don't know, but he wasn't sacked once. And then you have the guy who took the most snaps outside of Justin Fields, which is Trevor Simeon. Simeon dropped back 28 times. Again, how many sacks would you expect? I'm not even going to do the math. Let's just call it four again. He was sacked twice, which is a sack rate of 7%. Not 14 and a half, 15, no, 7%. Go back to 2021. Again, we got Fields and we got Dalton. They both played a bunch in 2021. How many times did uh, Justin Fields get sacked in 2021? 36 times on 304 dropbacks, which is nearly 12%, very similar to what happened last year. Andy Dalton had 256 dropbacks, which means he should have been sacked about 30 times, 30.315 times. Do you know how many times he was sacked? 18. Why is it he wasn't, he wasn't sacked 30 times, he was only sacked 18 with the exact same offensive line, exact same wide receivers? Why did that happen? 7%. Not 12, not 15, 7%. Why? Which, by the way, it's lower, but Aaron Rodgers is at 5.5%. It's not that different than Andy Dalton. 55 and 7? We're talking 1.5% difference. Aaron Rodgers in 2021. Um, why are there two Aaron Rodgers this year? That's weird. One says um, 5.6%, one says 6.2%. So just marginally higher for Andy Dalton compared to Aaron Rodgers the last couple of years. 2019, Rodgers was 6%. 2018, Rodgers was 7.5, so there you go, Andy Dalton, same same numbers. So it wasn't this astronomical number. 2017, Rodgers and Hundley, see, this is where the consistency comes in. Rodgers, 8.4% sack rate, Hundley that same year, 8.4%, exactly the same. That's the offensive line. So if you look at it from that standpoint, it's really not that big of, a, of an inflated number if you look at the non-Justin Fields quarterbacks that played quarterback for the Chicago Bears. You don't see inflated numbers. In fact, if we just add up the 359 snaps, which is, is the equivalent to, I mean, Justin Fields had 377 snaps. If you add up every quarterback snap over the last two years, non-Justin Fields, you have 359 snaps. The sack rate for every single quarterback, that's Peterman, that's Boyle, that's Simeon, 
That's, um, that's Dalton. The sack rate over the last two years was 7%, 6.96%. Fields, 13.3%. It's double. It's double. So, I don't know how I could make this case any clearer. Is it possible he takes a step? Yes. Just like it was possible Josh Rosen took a step. But remember, he got traded away and they couldn't get a second round pick for the freaking guy. I don't think. Maybe they ended up getting a second round pick. I don't know. But I remember thinking it was crazy that we wouldn't invest a second round pick in somebody like that. The guy was just a first round pick. How could his value possibly drop that much? But anyways, I, uh, I feel like I've made my point. While anything certainly is possible, Justin Fields has performed worse than just about any quarterback that we've seen in the last 20 years. So let me, uh, let me add one final note just to put the little cherry on top, and then we'll take a break and move on to another topic. In the bottom 15 performances out of the 587 performances in the last 20 years, there's only one quarterback that shows up twice in the bottom 15, and that's Justin Fields. And I know what you're thinking. Well, that's not fair because most of the guys in the bottom 15 only ever played one year. To which I would say, exactly. Guys like Josh Rosen and whoever the heck that A. Walter guy is and Jimmy Clausen and Deshaun Kaiser and Gradkowski. Guys like that don't get a ton of swings. They don't stick around in the league. Justin Fields is going into his third attempt and if he's in the bottom three again, this is, this is freaking history. That'll be something to track, by the way, as the season goes on. It'll be very interesting to see what his average EPA per pass is as the season goes on. Anyways, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy is where you can support the podcast. Also, uh, Venmo, Packernet Podcast. Please do not forget, um, pinned to the top of my Twitter, there is a GoFundMe. Um, a member of the family, longtime listener, supporter of the show, and of course, more importantly, Packer fan. Um, family tragedy took place, and um, I'm not going to rehash the story. You can find more of the details on the GoFundMe, but please go check that out. Again, the link is posted and pinned to the top of my Twitter. Very, very happy to see that that has already gone up. It's been less than 24 hours that I first um, mentioned this. And in fact, it hasn't even come out on the podcast yet, because the first podcast I mentioned on it hasn't even been posted yet. But we went from, um, I think it was about 1500 when I first saw it. It's at 30, over $3,600. Uh, still a very, very long way to go. But again, um, anything you can do would be greatly, greatly appreciated, even if that means just sharing it. If you don't have any money, you can share it for free. You can promote it for free. You can do all these things. doesn't cost you a dime. Uh, share it on Facebook. Talk to your friends and family. Just let them know about this tragedy that took place. Let them know, um, you know, about the two little girls that lost their mom and their grandpa and uh, see if anybody is um, able to give any amount. So we'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited. 
about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, so since this whole uh, podcast thing is a little bit different than most Packers podcasts or other podcasts that you might listen to in which the host tries to find certain um, topics that listeners would enjoy, this is all about what I want to do. (laughs) I look at some of the titles of other podcasts, and I'm like, I should do stuff like that. Like the five things the Packers need to fix to be great again. But that's stupid. I don't want to look for five things. And why does it have to be five? What if I find three? I got to make up two? What if I find seven? Do I have to find three more and make a ten? Or do I just have to cut two? You should make acronyms. Be like the seven things to turn around this season and they're going to spell out Packers. Number one. Passing. Number two. Accurately. <laughs> C. Uh churnovers k kickoffs obviously e electricity in the locker room r running the ball finally s spiking the ball when you score a touchdown you know what i mean it's it's just it's stupid i don't wanna i don't wanna but what i do want to do at this particular moment maybe one of these days i'll feel like doing it and then we'll do it but i probably will never feel like doing that um, I want to kind of hammer on another point that I've already hammered on 600 times, which, by the way, something else that you should know. Um, I love it when people listen to the podcast that don't agree with me. I get it all the time. People reach out and they're like, hey, here's why you're stupid. And I'm like, all right, cool, thanks. You're probably going to get really annoyed with me, though, if you disagree with me, because I'm, I'm not only going to tell you why I think you're wrong, I'm going to tell you 78 times over the next probably 79 episodes exactly why from every different angle. I think that what you think is stupid. Okay. that's This isn't one of those things. I'm just saying, you know, Justin Fields on one hand, Bears suck, you know, whatever. But I thought of something else. We've been talking about a lot. The false understanding that an unknown is necessarily bad. I want to do an exercise. No, I don't mean push-ups. I don't feel like it, and it's late. And I'm tired, and also shut up. What I want to do is look at the known commodities, because it is kind of funny to me How often when you look at people attacking the Packers or just, you know, looking at the Packers negatively, what they point out is 
how unknown things are. You're you're I just saw this today. You're you're switching to a team that has a quarterback that has um zero wins with unproven wide receivers. Okay, that that doesn't mean anything. Aaron Rodgers had zero wins at one point. Every quarterback in the history of the world has had zero wins at some point. Um primarily before they started playing. It really doesn't have a big effect on how good they're going to be, right? Let, let me, I, I know I don't need to further explain this, but I'm going to do it anyways, because I really, again, like to hammer home how stupid some of these points are. Let's look at this rookie class, shall we? Imagine if you're, you pick somebody in the rookie class that you like. Let's say Lucas Van Ness. I actually think that dude's going to be a good player. And somebody comes along and their big argument against what you're saying is, the dude's got zero sacks in the NFL. What are you talking about? Can we all understand or or collectively agree that that is a really stupid thing to say? Guess how many sacks Miles Garrett had before he played? It was zero. And then the unproven commodity thing. First of all, mm, not really. The little bit that we've seen has been actually extremely positive. But even if you want to discount that because you don't think like 70% of a season is a big enough sample size for you, and so we just have to wipe it clean and pretend it didn't happen, unknown doesn't mean bad. So an unknown quarterback and unknown wide receivers to you is how you know the Packers are going to come in fourth just means you're really stupid. But anyways, so that's that's sort of the baseline of where we're coming from. I want to do an exercise. I want to look at the NFC North and I want to look at the known commodities and ask the question, is it good or is it bad? Leaving out the unknown commodities because that could range anywhere from bad all the way to good we don't know i want to start with the detroit lions because that's the team i generally care the least about although at some point we should start caring about them i just can't quite get there it's been too many years of just forgetting they're even a football team for me to start caring jared goff is a known commodity and what he is is a mediocre to good quarterback He's better than your average, average quarterback, but he's not quite as good as as your average good quarterback. You know what I mean? It's a known commodity. It's a decent, but not great um, quarterback. Running back is unknown. Offensive line. It's a good offensive line. And by the way, when I say known commodity, don't misunderstand that I'm saying we know 100,000% how great these players are going to be. We don't. What I'm saying is we have years of data... That at least gives us a general idea. For example, Taylor Decker is their left tackle. Let me just flip through his grades here. 82, 65, 70, 75, 82, 75, 74. If I had to take a wild guess, I'd say he'd be in the mid-70s this year. And I probably wouldn't be off by much. At the high end, he's at the low 80s. He had one year in the 60s, and I'm guessing that was an outlier. Maybe something to do with injury. I don't really know. It doesn't really matter. He's a good tackle. Anything can happen, but I've got a pretty good idea right? We've got data on the left guard. We've got a lot of data on their center. We've got data on their right tackle. We've even got data on their right guard, even though he's been all over the offensive line and he's pretty volatile, but he's a decent football player. And combined, we know that they have a good offensive line. Wide receivers, Amon Ross St. Brown. In two years, I think we've seen enough to know that the dude is fantastic. He went from the 16th best wide receiver as a rookie to the second best wide receiver in year two via pff the problem is outside of that although there are some unknowns for example uh jameson williams is an unknown because he only played about a half a season as a rookie he's also only going to play about a half a season this year as well so it's kind of an unknown but we also do know for some 
to, to some degree that he's not going to be a massive um, impact for their team. The wide receivers outside of Amon Ross St. Brown are bad, period. Tight end, unknown, Sam Laporta. Then what do we have? Let's go to the defense. Defensive line, Aiden Hutchinson. Kind of an unknown, but when you're a rookie and you're a borderline top 20 pass rusher, um, I think you're going to be pretty good. However, very much worth noting, he actually ranked 41st in terms of pass rush, 39th in terms of run defense. So we'll have to see kind of how that all comes to be. I think as a pass rusher, it wasn't necessarily super great. As stupid as it sounds, and it's one of the things I don't like about PFF, is they seem to just kind of smash together all the grades without really giving preference. For example, the reason his grade is so high, his coverage grade was an 85. Nobody gives a crap about his coverage grade. I mean, I don't mind that you putting it in there, but if you're going to fling his grade this high simply because of his coverage, I think that's kind of stupid. And maybe that's not even the main reason, but still, it, it really shouldn't impact his grade at all. The rest of the defensive line, um, as far as the known commodities, really not very good at all. We, I mean, we've got some young guys like Alim McNeil that could continue to take a step. Young guys like Pascal. Charles Harris is not very good at football. But again, just ignoring the unknowns, we don't really know of a lot of good defensive linemen. And even Hutchinson is somewhat of an unknown because, again, as a pass rusher, he was decent. At linebacker, they have a rookie, and Alex Anzalone, who is horrific. And then their DBs are Brian Branch, who's a rookie, Cameron Sutton, who's for some reason hailed as this great acquisition by Detroit. I don't necessarily know why. He has had a couple decent years, including last year, but usually he's not very good. Then they have Emmanuel Mosley, who is probably better than, um, than Sutton is, and then Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who is probably w the worst of the three, but is seen as like the best acquisition in all of sports and history and all that stuff he's not super good uh the the other player would be tracy walker who is one of the weirdest guys ever as a rookie he had a 90 grade second year was a 73 then it was a 51 then it was a 63 then it was a 74 granted he only played two games but it's the weirdest like pff trajectory i've ever seen in my life so let, let's let's do a summary here and we're just going to leave out the unknowns Decent quarterback, good offensive line, one good wide receiver, and nothing else. Bad defensive line, mid to subpar DBs, bad linebacker. That's Detroit. Minnesota, they've got a pretty good offensive line. The tackles, I think, are really quite phenomenal. The right guard spot is certainly an issue. They did draft Ed Ingram last year. He was freaking horrific, although Vikings fans didn't seem to want to admit that. I don't know if they ever ended up admitting it. I don't know. But he is just absolutely... I mean, he's basically exactly what Garrett Bradbury was when they drafted him, but at right guard. I don't know what their problem is with trying to find talent. Kudos to them for finding Derisaw and um, for, for Brian O'Neill. Because, I mean, I know they've taken a lot of swings. They have done some terrible stuff with the offensive line. And Bradbury and Ingram seem to be two of them. But even, even still, I think it's a decent enough offensive line. Cousins was a top 10 quarterback last year. I think he's always underrated, although clearly he makes a lot of mistakes that upset people like most people do. The wide receiver group is Justin Jefferson and really nobody else. They drafted a guy, but again, that's an unknown commodity. And if the Packers can't even get credit for Christian Watson, I'm certainly not giving them credit for Addison. Along the defensive line, so far they have Daniil Hunter and uh, Marcus Davenport, which I think is a great duo, assuming Hunter stays. The interior, though, is really pathetic. They have maybe the worst um, group of DBs in general, at least corners in the NFC North. 
Although Andrew Booth is an unknown, so we'll have to see what happens there, as is technically uh, a Caleb Evans. Um, but both of those guys graded out at 45 and 47. Either way, it's either an unknown or it's unknown and it's terrible. Byron Murphy was a second-round pick. Um, really, really bad football player. At linebacker, uh, they acquired Jordan Hicks, who has been a pretty bad linebacker for a long time. They have Brian Asamoah, who um, he graded out pretty well, but he really only played about, what, four games, something like that, in terms of actual snaps that matter. And then at safety, obviously, you have um, Mr. Harrison Smith, but Harrison Smith had the second-worst year of his entire career in 2022. The only year that was worse was all the way back in 2013, and considering the guy is um, 34 years old, and last year they switched to a different defensive scheme, I have a feeling he's probably not going to have a massive bounce-back year. So, what does that mean? Decent offensive line, good quarterback. I didn't mention tight end or running back. Um, Hawkinson was top 10. They don't really have a running back. Madison's not that good. He's a backup. Sorry, I know that upsets you. I don't really care. Decent offensive line, good quarterback, one good wide receiver, decent tight end. Defensive line has pass rushers, but a really soft interior. The linebackers are not very good. The DBs, at least as far as we can tell, are quite bad. Potential, but there's really nothing good there. So on the defense, really the only two good players are Davenport and Hunter, and that's it. But again, decent offensive line, quarterback, Jefferson, at least you got that. It's like a lesser version of what the Packers have had. Just picture like the Packers for most of their existence, or at least when they had Devontae, but a, I don't want to say a lesser Devontae, let's just say it's a roughly Devontae, but a significantly lesser Rodgers and probably surprisingly a worse defense somehow. All right, let's look at the Bears. They have a pretty decent offensive line. I know they like to piss and moan and cry about it, but Braxton Jones uh, actually graded out quite well last year. Um, you've got uh, Tevin Jenkins actually graded out very well last year. You got Cody Whitehair. He's average, but he's certainly not the worst in the world. Then they brought in Nate Davis. Again, average, but certainly not the worst in the world. And then a rookie who we're not allowed to comment about. But the Bears' offensive line, from my estimation, is not bad. According to Bears fans, it's absolutely horrible, which they have to believe that because it's almost an identical offensive line. Um, Cole Komet is not very good. He ranked 20th last year. Claypool ranked 88th. Darno Moody ranked 48th and Moore ranked 32nd. So they barely have a number one wide receiver. It is at best a mediocre receiving core. They have an elite running back by the name of Justin Fields, a decent backup by the name of Khalil Herbert. However, their passer, Justin Fields, is uh, actually the worst in football as we've discussed. On defense, they really don't have any defensive linemen. Demarcus Walker, like a lot of other things that they uh, acquired in free agency, was fool's gold. He had a sort of decent year last year, ranking 24th. That was an absolute fluke. He's really only played the last three years of his career, gotten any significant snaps, and uh, he ranked 92nd and 76th with 54 and 60 grades. He's not a good football player, so they don't really have anybody. Billings, as a defensive tackle, had a good grade again. Fool's gold. The year before, 47 grade. He, he just, he's not good. The corners, they have uh, Kyler Gordon. He played an entire year last year and had a 49 grade. He was absolutely horrible. If you want to say he's an unknown commodity, fine, then we'll just say we don't know. Jalen Johnson's been there for three years and is just not very good at football. He's another one of their corners. Brisker, we have to say, is an unknown, so I'm sorry I can't give you that. Eddie Jackson did have a good year last year, but the three prior to that and four out of his last five prior to that were actually quite bad, so we'll see how he does. So, in summary... Decent offensive line, horrific quarterback, 
very mediocre wide receivers, decent slash mediocre running back, very mediocre uh, tight end, very bad defensive line, really no corners. Oh, I forgot about linebacker again. Edwards, I think, was decent, but he was kind of a rotational guy, I think. He's always graded out really well. Um, Edmonds, who got paid a billion dollars, has been one of the worst linebackers in football for four straight years. He had one good year, got paid a bunch of money by the Bears because they're ridiculous. And then they have maybe a good safety, but I really don't know. All right, let's look at the Packers. Um, We can't talk about the quarterback. We can't talk about the tight ends. We have Christian Watson, who, again, he ranked 24th in the NFL. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to talk about that or not. Maybe not. Okay. Well, we have probably the best backfield in the NFL. We had a top three pass blocking offensive line. Um, at at uh, pass rusher, we have Rashawn Gary. I know he's going to be out for a little while, but he'll be back. Rashawn Gary. Uh, we can't talk about Lucas Van Ness, but Preston Smith, along with Kenny Clark, and then a bunch of unknowns. At corner, we have Jair Alexander and Razul Douglas, who are both very good corners. At linebacker, we have an unknown and Devondre Campbell, who ranked second and 19th the last two years. That's pretty phenomenal. And then we have, well, bad safeties. So, in summary, very, very good offensive line. Um, very good running backs. Solid pass rush group. Question mark at defensive tackle, because I only really can talk about one of them. He had a down year last year. Um, and a down year for Kenny Clark means 66th grade, which is a little bit above average in 45th. Before that, he was 13th, 23rd, 14th, 8th, 10th. So... Um, very much reason to believe that he will like if you were to pick what's his what his grade's going to be you're not going to pick 66 i think somewhere between 75 and 79 makes a lot of sense unless you think he's just completely fallen off at this point in his career at 27 years old so i'm going to say solid defensive tackle elite pass rusher in rashan really good corners really good linebacker and bad say so the only thing that is bad is safety and everything else is either good to elite right so I I'm I'm I guess here here's my confusion because I I looked at the NFC North and we saw really really bad stuff everywhere right if we just omit the things that we don't know bad 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 if we omit for the Packers the unknowns and just talk about every single thing else how many things do we have confidence in should we have confidence in will be bad this year you have confidence that Preston and Gary are going to be a bad duo. You have confidence that Kenny Clark is going to stay what he was last year, which is the worst of his career. You have confidence that our offensive line isn't going to be good this year. Is there a reason to be confident that our running backs won't be a top backfield? Is there a reason to believe Campbell won't be top 20 again? That Jair won't be top 10 again? The only weakness is safety. That's the only weakness on the entire team. You could say, well, you don't know, you don't know. Fine, you don't know, but you can't say it's bad. But here's the thing. Even if you want to add in the unknowns, I feel pretty good about it. Jordan Love had a 78.7 grade in his little stint last year. Christian Watson had a 77 grade, and again, ranked 24th. We added Reed in the slot. I'm pretty excited about him. We added Musgrave and Kraft at tight end. I'm pretty excited about the prospect of us having an upgraded tight end group and wide receiver group. Adding Lucas Van Ness to the edge group, I think kind of just have a sneaking suspicion is going to make that group better than last year. The defensive line is certainly iffy, but when you look at regression to the mean for Kenny Clark, I think that alone is going to be improvement. 
when you look at year two of Wyatt and, and more Slayton, it, it's kind of iffy. Maybe they're not going to be super great. Wyatt only had a 70 grade, which is actually really good for a rookie. He only had a 70 grade, but you're comparing it to what? Dean Lowry and uh, what's-his-nuts that was here for a year that everybody was excited about saying, this is the best defensive tackle group we've had. Brr, brr, brr. Stupidest crap I've ever heard in my life and wildly disrespectful to Mike Daniels. No, those guys were terrible. At worst, it's the same. I would be stunned if it was as bad as last year. Jair, in 2020, was the number one corner. The next year he got hurt, comes back from injury, was the number eight corner. What is our suspicion on Jair? He's going to fall off to what, 40th? Razul Douglas comes to Green Bay. His grades, 74.5, 71.1. What are we thinking? He drops to a 50? Well, what would you guess it is this year? How about we split it and call it like a 72.5? You good with that? Again, Devondre Campbell, second best, 19th best. We, we just Should we just continue the trend down and he's like a 65? Or can we split the difference and call it like a 79? How about we just keep it the same? Let's say it was, it was overinflated in 2021, but now we're kind of back to where he's going to stay at a 74. Fine, he's a 74. Is that a problem? Remember, we can't talk about Quay. Not allowed to talk about the unknowns. But if we did, do you think maybe year two is going to be a positive thing? Or do you think he goes backwards? If I had to guess, even if it's a small step, I would guess it's a small step in a positive direction. And let's talk about safety for a minute. Because I know safety's not good. But again, Darnell Savage took a year two leap and was the 17th best safety in all of football in year two. Then freaking Joe Barry shows up. And he drops down to 72nd, and then last year when both of our safeties went in the trash, he was 87 out of 88. This is a artificially low grade for Darnell Savage. I don't know if he's ever going to get better in this scheme, in this system, whatever, but the odds that he's going to be higher than 87th, I would bet a lot of money. Why? Well, because there's 88 places where he could be. The odds that he's going to be either 88th or 87th are 2 out of 88. Statistically speaking... It's going to be really hard for him to be this low again. And on top of that, we discovered a guy by the name of Rudy Ford, who I actually really like. Speaking of 17th best Darnell Savage, you know who the 17th best safety was last year? It was a guy by the name of Rudy Ford. Rudy Ford didn't take the field until week 10 last year. I have a feeling he'll be out there week one. So again, my whole point in doing this, if it didn't come across, is to say that if you're going to say that we're not allowed to speak positively about the unknowns, which I think is unfair because people do it all the time. In fact, they talk positively about negatives on their team all the time. Fine. But then just remove it from the equation and look at everything else and then just say that the unknowns could be positive, they could be negative. What you cannot do is say that I know... First of all, I know Justin Fields is going to be MVP, but I also know Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs and Jaden Reed and Musgrave and Kraft, they're all going to be garbage because they're unknowns. And Jordan Love, also going to be garbage because he's an unknown. That's complete bullcrap. You want to omit the unknowns? Fine. We'll look at everything else. Every other thing on this, on this team, there's reason for optimism. And then if you add back in the unknowns, Still reason for optimism. In fact, there's a reason for a lot more optimism. And if I've said it once, I've said it 10,000 times. It doesn't make any sense to say, you can't say that you're not going to go backwards going from a Hall of Famer Aaron Rodgers to Jordan Love. Calling him a Hall of Famer doesn't mean anything. If you're claiming that we have to go backwards from Aaron Rodgers in 2022, 
We need to look at what Aaron Rodgers was in 2022. You can't just throw out Hall of Famer because that doesn't mean anything. And as I've already laid out and already demonstrated, and you can go find it on Twitter, it's on there, the the thing that I posted, um, the graph, the chart, the plot, even, you know, again, ignore Jordan Love because it was only 20 passes. Fine, it doesn't matter, it's irrelevant. Working backwards into the negatives, Daniel Jones. Then worse than Daniel Jones was Marcus Mariota. Worse than Marcus Mariota was Kenny Pickett. Worse than Kenny Pickett was Aaron Rodgers. One spot ahead of Kyler Murray. So, if I'm going to tell you that it's certainly not impossible that Jordan Love, that the team actually upgrades in a lot of places, including quarterback, and your reaction is revulsion because how dare you even think of comparing him. I'm not saying that in 2022, Jordan Love is going to eclipse a 15-year career of Aaron Rodgers because I don't suggest stupid things like that, unlike you who's saying it's impossible and are clearly implying that we're, we're supposed to compare a full 15-year career with all the accolades that go with it. No, you are claiming that we're going to get worse than last year because of what Rodgers did in, like, 2011. That doesn't make any freaking sense. You have to compare it to 2022, and what I'm telling you is the guy wasn't good last year. If you couldn't see it just from watching the freaking games, look at the statistics. They're not good. So, can Jordan Love... Make the team better this next year by being better than Aaron Rodgers was last year? Yes, and it's not controversial, and you shouldn't feel ashamed or scared of saying that because it's not a big freaking deal. Being better than Aaron Rodgers, who had a negative EPA per play, is not really that big of a deal. It kind of just means be at least average. Can you be Daniel Jones or Geno Smith or Andy Dalton, or Derek Carr, or Jacoby Brissett, or Ryan Tannehill. Can you pull that off? Because if you can, you, congratulations, you're the winner. Come on down. You just made the Green Bay Packers better in 2023. But again, very limited sample size against the number one defense in football last year with no practice time, no preparation, nothing, comes in cold into a game and had the fourth highest EPA per play. And again, I'm so, I'm just... Do you know how easy it would be for there to be a media narrative about how good Jordan Love's going to be? It would be so easy. You don't understand. This guy got Pat Mahomes comps. He was compared to to freaking, uh, where's the guy's name? Uh, I can't think of it. The Chargers guy. Herbert. The Packers got him. And not only that, they allowed him to sit behind Aaron Rodgers. The guy trained behind the greatest to ever throw a football for three years. And we've seen the growth. And then he comes out like a freaking assassin against the number one defense and carves them up. And if he had done that for four quarters, they would have beaten the Eagles. He walks out on the field, carves up the freaking team, and then walks off the field pissed that they didn't lead a comeback to clean up the mess that the offense with you-know-who messed up to begin with. And now he's got another offseason. And he's got more time to prepare with his guys. And he's getting closer. He's getting better. And he's getting hungrier. And he just got paid. Ladies and gentlemen, this guy's about to explode. You know how easy that would be, but what do we get instead? I'm telling you, Justin Fields is going to be... And do you know why? Because he runs fast. That's how freaking stupid these guys are. They see somebody run fast, and they're like, they're like freaking zombies. They're so obsessed with, with quarterbacks that run. I don't get it. 
Lamar Jackson and Justin Fields. I, I, it has to be fantasy football. You guys must be getting a billion points for their rushing yards or something and rushing touchdowns because it was the same with Cam Newton. He's so good. He's so good. He's so good. No, dude had one good year. Every other year, he sucked. Cam Newton? Are you kidding me? He was garbage. Lamar? Eh. He's doing a really good job of, of bridging the gap between running and passing, but sometimes. And, and he's already to the point now where his body's broken, so that kind of sucks. But man, you find uh, Kyler Murray, you find a quarterback that can run, these guys are tripping over themselves. It's gonna be so good. It's gonna be so good. Why, why don't you want to see passing? I don't understand. What's wrong with you? But I'm, I'm just, I, I just, I don't understand. The, the freaking story writes itself. Actually, you know what writes itself? AI does, and that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to write a, I'm going to write a, a, a superhero magazine about Jordan Love, and I'm going to illustrate it, and I'm going to sell it, and it's going to be all about how everybody freaking doubted the guy, and he took over the world, and he blew up the bears with his laser eyes, and then he scorpion spiked Colin Coward. All right, there you go. That's a little graphic, but I'm just, I, I couldn't think of a, a superpower that would be cool. Like, what did he do? Spider webbed him. What other cool superpowers are there? What, what does Batman do? He punches people in the face really hard? Spider-Man doesn't do cool, do a backflip onto his face. I want to end the show, but I got to think, what, what could we do to Colin Coward that isn't just graphically violent and unnecessarily horrible? Ooh, mind control. Hmm. Nah, but that's unfair. What are you going to do, make him go on the show and be like, the Packers are great? No, you show him on the field and then you make him say it through intimidation. Underwater control, what the heck does that mean? Elemental control if living in Canada. What is this list that I'm looking at? Oh, here's a big list. It's all alphabetized and everything. We got any Zs? It doesn't matter. Ninjutsu. That's not a superpower. That's a martial art. Neon Blast. What is that? Sounds dope. It's a minor uh, superpower, apparently. What is Neon Blast? User shoots blast of neon energy. Purple, pink, and blue fuse. It has to be all three of those? I don't know. Figure something out. But anyways, I should probably get out of here. It's getting late. You guys have a good rest of your day. Talk to you tonight, tomorrow, whatever. Have a good one. Bye-bye.